Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Power Hour. Really happy to have you here with us today. I'm your moderator, John Viola, and uh, I think I'm happy because, like the song says, if you are born in Italiano, life can be great, and I am enjoying my life today in a very special location here in a city that is absolutely rich with Sicilian-American history, one of the oldest Italian-American communities in this great country of ours. I call it Little Palermo, but you may know it better as the Big Easy or the Crescent City because uh, I am here in New Orleans, Louisiana, enjoying this Italian-American life of mine, and I want to thank all of you who listen every week and share your Italian-American lives with us here at the Power Hour. And I'm down here for a very special reason. You'll notice today that I'm missing my partners in crime from the Power Hour team, but I'm not alone. I'm here in New Orleans to celebrate a project that I've been working on for the past couple of months, and I've been working on it with a really dear friend of mine. That song that we used to intro the Power Hour is one of my favorites. It's an unreleased number by a New Orleans legend, an Italian-American icon, and one of my favorite performers, the late, great Louis Prima, and his wife, Gia Mayon Prima. They made that song in 1966, and I found it and fell in love with it, and it was part of the inspiration behind this show. And the project that I've been working on has been directly influenced by that song because I have been working on a brand new album with a very dear friend of mine, a woman who has given so much of herself to the Italian-American community, And it's just one of the most lovable and kind and enjoyable people I've ever been around, and I get to share her with you today. I am talking about my friend, uh, the one and only, Miss Lena Prima. Lena, say hello to everybody out there in podcast land. Hi, everybody in podcast land. And Lena and I are here to celebrate. Last night we celebrated the official CD launch party, album launch party, of Prima La Familia, your newest work. And one that we've sort of journeyed on together, so I wanted to share with everybody. Yep. Tell everybody out there, um, from your perspective, where did this whole thing start? Because I'm, I've been dying to see how much our stories and our minds line up on where this all came from. Well, of course, growing up having a father, a famous father like Louis Prima, and listening to these Italian songs my whole life, so just they're in my system. <laughs> they're in my, they're in my genes, yeah. you know. I just love them and love singing them and performing them and and it's part of our heritage you know we all grew up with this music and my dad was a, a pioneer of it so mm-hmm. he made these songs popular at a time when everyone that was Italian American really needed like back in the 40s really needed their anthem and music and to have something to be proud of being Italian American and these songs did that for everybody yeah. so they were always important to me and Every time I perform them and seeing the reaction of people, all ages of people, young, you know, middle-aged, older people, everybody loves the music because it does make you feel great. You start singing along to the funny words, you know. And I just thought, God, these songs, you know, a lot of them you can't get now. Absolutely. Some of these great ones. And and to bring back the way they were recorded originally to pay, like, honor that in a big band way because the arrangements were so amazing and... 
so I had the idea of wanting to do it. And when I mentioned to you and you said, I want to make that with you. And I was like, oh, my God. So Yeah, I mean, it is almost like the, these songs are like a secret coded language for yeah. us. You know what I mean? Like every age group, everywhere I go, um, I always tell the story here to our, our audience. You know, I first got to the National Italian American Foundation as a teenager. And I hated the event because it was a black tie, boring gala mm-hmm. for hours. And then I went to the after party. And there were people my age singing these songs in the lobby, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm in like yeah. I'm in the club now. Yeah. I'm at the mothership." Yes, because this music is so unique to who we are. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily all Italian music. Yeah, that just came over. Yeah, with immigrants. It's our own sort of hybrid Creole. You know, yeah, absolutely. And when you were in town for the uh, marching clubs uh, St. Joseph's Day event. That first time when I met you and I was doing Bachigaloop and you came up and you were dancing around going, Bachigaloop! And I was like, how does he know this song? He's like young and he knows this song. It was like awesome. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about the first time we met because I remember the the event at the Italian American Marching Club here in uh, New Orleans. It's an amazing St. Joseph's Day weekend tradition and Lena was entertaining uh, for a couple of nights of it, mm-hmm. and I sort of walked up, and we just hit it off and started talking about songs and the music and the deeper tracks and things that I was obsessed with, and I was real nervous, and you let me come up and sing, yep, and I yep. botched it, like, I couldn't remember the no, words, I, it, was I was, it was not fun, <laughs> it, it was, was fun, but not good, <laughs> but I remember asking good. you about, see that you're born an Italian, right. and if, I think, if I recall right, you were like, this is totally a random song that nobody's heard of right it has just sort of been lost to time sure and one that i was obsessed with from the time i found it on ebay like, yeah you know, all these years ago yeah um but i think for me that idea of an anthem which, yeah which we'll talk about towards the end of the show mm-hmm. was when you started talking to me about doing this project uh i kind of knew that it was a chance to put a flag in the ground and a new updated, rearranged, yes. fun, accessible version of anthems, you know, that's... Yeah, and I feel like that is what happened with the um, end result of the album. It's it's exactly what I dreamed it should be. And, you know, being, having it such a famous dad who was so incredible, ma- wanting to make him proud is important to me. And something like this, I really feel like he would be incredibly proud of this album, of what we've done with it and the songs and... I think there's something about, you know, I mean, obviously as a student of Italian-American history and a professional Italian-American for many, many years, I've come up on uh, as many books as you can read or interviews as you can watch with your dad. Yeah. And, you know, the the constant thread throughout this is not only was he a proud and creative Italian-American, but he did it at a time when most people were running away from not even ethnicity, but Italian ethnicity in particular. Sure. During the war, yes. during fascism, it was not cool um, right. to go out and put on a show where you were singing in Sicilian. But he did it. And yeah. And proudly. Brave. Yeah, he very was very brave. brave and very proud, obviously, of of his heritage to, be, to do that, to just go, this is my heritage, yeah. and this is our heritage, and let's be proud of it. He did have that unique gift of being able to take um, like songs that were sad or depressing or, and turn them around and make fun of them and make joy out of yeah. them. And I feel like that's just part of who he was. So taking that situation and time and history and doing the same thing with it, yeah. with a whole, you know, the Italian-American people. It's, you know? a, it's a lot of injecting love. Yeah, it is but, love. It yeah. is. I think it's really interesting, too, because there's almost a sense, and it's something that I've always felt, because, you know, you, you feel 
different when you're in Italy. Uh, you don't feel Italian per se. Sure. And in the U.S., you feel unique in the Italian heritage that you have. And I think that mm-hmm. these songs are a great capsule and sort of representation of the idea that we are our own unique third rail culture. We're, sure. we're different. We're not Italian. We're not sort of standard American. We're this great, unique right. um, hybrid. Yeah. And these songs, to do them in that time and to do them now, says, you know, it's okay mm-hmm. to be this very different and beautiful, unique Absolutely. creation that we are. Yeah, and he definitely raised me with that yeah. uh, feeling and philosophy and be proud and he kept stressing it. He also recorded those songs in different versions in different decades yeah. and he kept putting them out there. You know, they were important to him. Yeah. So, you know, feeling that need to perpetuate that legacy and put them out there again because <laughs> yeah. he would do it oh, absolutely know? i mean that, that's kind of the beauty of his ability to reinvent himself yeah. constantly as an artist yeah and i think that you're really honoring that legacy i mean we're going to get to some samples of the music and Great. the songs and why we chose them um but i want to talk a minute about from my memory how we got to this point um because for those of you out there in the audience who haven't been introduced to Lena. She's been a guest on the Italian American podcast, and we'll link it in our archives. Um, but as she mentions, we met here in New Orleans at St. Joseph's Day, and we just hit it off. And Lena's husband Tim and I hit it off as well, and uh, got to know each other a little bit over the years. And then when I was running the National Italian American Foundation gala for all those years, I had the opportunity a few years in to evolve the event and make it a little bit more entertainment driven. Bring in music. Bring in a great Friday night. Um, variety show and I called Lena and I said Lena I really need you guys to come down I love the band I had come to uh, her long standing gig at the Hotel Monteleon which for those of you who are potentially coming to visit New Orleans is since 1840 something right yeah it's uh, 127 years I think the same family same Italian Italian family Sicilian family owns this place the Monteleon family and it's a beautiful hotel and yeah it's a great place and Lena played the carousel bar uh, every Friday for yep. a long time, and yep. it was a great room. And I'd go and you know, <coughs> always let me come and ruin a song or two no. with you. And uh, I remember asking, you know, would you come out and help me put this concert together? And I said, yeah, I want the band, and you know, we'll get the tickets and stuff. And you said, great, that's all we need. And I said, well, what do you mean? You said, well, you know, I just I come. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to pay you to do this. This is a gig. <laughs> and you didn't want me to pay you. And I thought to myself, this is what a, what a friend to have made to come and volunteer and, and be part of what we were doing and it was hard to convince you to take pay for the gig and <laughs> I think it turned out to be great gigs and working with Joe Piscopo yes. and the Radio King Orchestra Fantastic. a lot of talent from Italy that yeah. we got to bring in and they were thrilled to sing with you and that was, it was awesome. fun right? Yeah. yeah, those were always fun shows yeah. and I think it was after one of those one night we were in the hotel lobby uh, and he's conspicuous by his absence today I'm sure we're going to get letters saying where's Pat O'Boyle but he couldn't make the trip with me but it was Lena, Tim, and Pat and I talking about all these traditions and the use of Sicilian language, and that's where I think you yeah. said to me, I've always wanted to re-record these in the yes. band, and it just took off from there, and it I did. said, okay, let's do this, and once we've raised the money, uh, we'll put together the lists, and sure enough, a couple weeks later, you turned around and oh, yeah. were sending me song lists, and I was Yeah, just to go. I was so excited about it, I really just got on it immediately with a big list and trying to select ones that I felt I could convey um, in the proper way, 
and that people would love to hear, you know, at the same time. So and then getting Larry Siebert, who did the arrangements and the orchestrations, he's such a genius, and I've gone to see his concerts and uh, listened to his albums that he's done on his own. He just does amazing work. Yeah, he's a genius. And I just thought he's the right guy to do these arrangements and do them right in yeah. the way they should be. He, you know? I mean, the audience is going to hear them in a few minutes. And you and Larry rearranged a bunch of them together. He did some alone. I think they're all incredibly unique and modern takes on a big band. Yes. Uh, and a lot of these songs are not new songs. I mean, a lot of some of these right. songs from the early 1900s or, or before. Sure. So it's really interesting to be able to put the new spin on them. Um, but I want to, if it's okay, talk a little bit about something uh, that I think is important to this album and where you are as an artist. As we were becoming friends, um, I was always thrilled to come down here and see that you were building this organization, Chow Women, uh, for Italian-American women here in New Orleans. Inspired a, by you. Well, that's, that's really <laughs> kind of you. I mean, I, It's I, true, though. So tell everybody what that does. And, you know, when we started this, I said, okay, we're going to do this, but we really do want to do something for the community. And Leah said, well... We've got this organization we started. And so for those of you who are out there, if you support this album and buy this album, um, particularly if you go directly to Basin Street Records, which is the record company that's uh, now Lena is assigned uh, talent on, um, a good portion of the proceeds will come back to Italian-American women here in New Orleans. So let's take a moment to plug what you're doing with Chow Women. Yes, Chow Women is, um, well, Chow standing for Celebrating Italian-Americans Organization for Women, inspired by what... You were doing at um, NIAF, which was honoring people and Italian-Americans. I was amazed by, on a large scale, the Italian-Americans that own businesses that have been doing things for many years that I had no idea were Italian-Americans, and honoring them and what that felt like in that room to see all these people and that, that were being recognized. And I, God, I came back to New Orleans from that trip, and I just thought, I want to do that. I want to start honoring women in the community, make it a women's organization. And um, there's some amazing women yeah, that are some... doing great things. And there's so many Italian Americans in New Orleans because of the big Sicilian immigration yeah. of the 1800s. And it's, people don't realize no, that they associate true. New Orleans with, as being French and other ethnicities, but they're, it's hugely Italian-American I, I here. say it all the time when the city comes up. I've said it last night to somebody like, I came here as a tourist once when I was, like, in my 20s, and then to start coming back. And, of course, the St. Joseph's Day weekend is a great time to dive in because yeah. you feel like it's in Italy. Um, sure. But people don't appreciate how Italian this city is. And I think that it's interesting that, uh, you know, to be able to start an organization like that in a town where so many of the business owners are Italian-American, are Sicilian-American, and you interact with them around these things. I mean, it wasn't long before you had a nice amount of women working with you on this because right. there's so many of us here. It's a city that's so conscious of its Italianness in a lot of ways. A absolutely, and the traditions that, the Italian traditions that pe the families and people who live here and have been here their whole lives are, they're continuing that. It's amazing. Yeah, it so, is amazing. You know, I, I had my first um, awards last year and honored four women, like a woman of the year and then a young like a teenager even, or someone who's just graduated college or, you know, doing great things yeah. and positive things. And so there's that Chow Bella Award, and then there's a um, special honoree that is a someone who's just been 
done a million wonderful things and, you know, needs to be recognized. Yeah. Not necessarily just a woman, yeah. but a family or a business, or, you know. Yeah. And then um, an honorary Italian of the oh, year, which nice is touch. the yeah. Diva Award. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a woman that loves Italian, has Italian friends and loves our heritage, uh-huh. but she gets to be honorary Italian. I always years. say that that's like a big thing to give out because people yeah. always say, if they're married to Italians, they always tell me like, well, I'm an honorary Italian. Like, yes. We'll give that out. You, yeah. you don't give that out to yourself. Yes. We'll, we'll tell you exactly. Italian. <laughs> I've been hearing that my whole life, so I thought, let's make an award like that, that says yeah. that, yes. Yeah. So it was really great, and um, we're doing it again this year. This year I'm going to do it at the end of March, because March is National Women's History Month, so that's a good time to, to uh, have the awards again. We're also, you know, I just formed my board, and you know, we're really just getting this together. and So we're really going to focus on education and I'll you know trying to when I have performances have a speaking um, engagement as well at maybe an Italian American organization in whatever town I'm in and be able to talk about the legacy of the music part of it you know which is something I know about so let's talk about this a little bit because part of what's come out of this album has been this great um, awareness of the project and and Mm -hmm. you've been doing a lot of interviews And, of course, uh, for those of you who are um, either in New Orleans or want to go online, Lena did an amazing interview in Offbeat Magazine, which is like the music magazine here in New Orleans. She's on the cover. She looks beautiful. It's all about her and her art and her family. And can I... You called me one day after the uh, article came out. Can I tell that story? I think it's a great story. Absolutely. Talking about Italian-American women. Sure. So Lena and I talk a lot about the project, and we sometimes just call to be giddy and scream about what's going on or <laughs> yeah sometimes it's, it's serious questions and uh we were talking about this offbeat magazine and it's a huge opportunity to be on the cover of such a great magazine and you started telling me about how when you did the interview it was really different than other interviews that were primarily about your dad and his legacy and your current work it was more about you as an artist and felt like you had to actually call the guy back afterwards yeah. and add some stuff. Let's sure. talk about that, because that's so important. Yes, Brett Milano, by the way, um, is the uh, writer who did the article. And um, I've interviewed with him before. He's a great writer and wonderful person to interview with. And so, you know, I felt really comfortable talking to him. But it was different, because every interview I do up until this has just been a very short you know nothing in depth like Mm -hmm. this and sort of on the surface you know people want to know about my dad and I love my dad so I'm always fine with talking about that but uh, just about things in my past and my family and what happened how did I get to where I am now how come I never got anywhere until now you know I never did something like this big until now kind of thing and I sort of glazed over that and then I realized the next morning that that part of my story, you know, about my mother not not approving of me being a singer when I announced to her as a teenager that's what I was going to do with my life, you know, I'm going to be a singer, you know, and she said, oh, no, you're not, you know, what a big thing that was to me at that moment because she said, and if you do it anyway, then you better be better than everybody else or you're going to be an embarrassment to your father's name. Wow. And I mean... so. Yeah. You never shared that with I had never shared that with anybody in an interview ever. But when I woke up the next day and realized that how my life doesn't make sense without that story because I just never felt like I was supposed to be doing that and I was doing it anyway from age 19 working as a professional singer, 
but always in other people's bands. My name was never out there, but I had to do it because it's my, it's what I do. It's who I am, you know, it was my passion. So all these years, you know, it took me to realize that, you know, that I need to be myself and I need to do it, you know, that my mother just did the best she could. She, she was raised that in that time of the 1950s when women it wasn't like women had careers or were allowed to do that, especially in an Italian Catholic strict family. It was like you get married, you have children, you raise a family, you have a beautiful home, you cook beautiful meals, you're a beautiful hostess, you dress beautifully, you know, you're that example. Yes, absolutely. So that was definitely her upbringing, and it's all she knew. You know, it was all about the woman is supposed to get married and have children. And so now it, it all made sense to me after that, after I had that realization and I was defying that whole rule yeah. in, in what she grew up with. And it's interesting because, you know, your mom has a songbook of her own sure. out there and, and a lot of talent. And it was interesting to, to have that conversation with you and think through, like, you expressed the point, she really didn't want to be a singer. She loved your dad and she worked with your dad but like she sure. wanted to be a mom right that was her well I think it was what she was taught that yeah. that's how it was yeah. that was the status quo in the in life in the 1950s yeah. you know that's I believe that deep inside she probably did have big dreams and I think a lot of women just pushed those down yeah. just because of society and what was going on at that time period so I feel though as though maybe she those were her big dreams, but she felt like, okay, that's a side thing. It's a hobby thing. Like, because yeah. she was trying to convey that to me, like, it's fine on the side, but yeah. you can't have that as a career, you know? It's pretty amazing <clears throat> to see how far we've come. And that's why it is when you're doing this work yes. with women in yes. New Orleans, that, that's why this message is so important. It is so important. Out, you know? Yeah, because it's, you know, women have come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But our culture is also one that still sort of carries. Yeah. traditional sure. ideas around yeah. you know, gender roles mm-hmm. and stuff and uh, I think the world is changing obviously rapidly but it's good to put an example out there for yeah. these girls especially in a town like this like I love when I come to New Orleans because uh, when we march on St. Joseph's Day and stuff they have the maids court and all these sure. young girls and, mm-hmm. and you know they're a big part of the weekend yeah. but they're also not in, they're in the parade on a float kind yeah. of thing, like white dresses right. like angels and yes. the men are down in the tuxedo yes. like screaming and you know, I think to myself wow this is really defined you know it's yeah it thing. is defined it yeah. is absolutely so I I wanted that to be part of the story that I was telling in the magazine because how am I going to be an inspiration to someone else who might have gone through the same thing or might be in the same place that I am and wanting to go for something, you know, I wanted to be an inspiration. You know, I, I feel that's like that's, important. yeah, it is important. You know, you, you throughout this whole thing, coming to a different place with your story and where you are in your career and your life, I notice as a friend seeing you evolve as an artist. Um, I know we've talked about how you, you feel that way. If I might... Another thing, you know, you went through some serious medical stuff two years ago now? It's been two years, yeah. yeah. And you've always said that kind of changed you as an artist. Yeah, it did. something to talk about? Well, you you know, it was a very serious thing that happened to me, and I was in the hospital for almost a month, and thank God I'm perfectly great now. It's just miraculous. But but something like that does make you go, okay, 
what's important to me in my life, pick those things and do them because yeah. it can just be over. Like in a flash. In a flash. And stop letting anything else get in your way, whatever thoughts you might have about yourself. or what, It's all gone and all in the past. And just focus on what you really want to do and do it, you know. So that involved me forgiving my mom for just what she had done, but she was doing the best she could. It's like an understanding and a forgiveness thing and just letting all that go and just thinking about what I could do to achieve my dreams that I really want to achieve. And, you know, something like that happening really makes you every single day you're grateful to be alive and healthy and you know, I go to the Comes gym, I'm like, I'm throat. in the gym, like, this is great, Maybe you know? that's what I need to get me to the gym, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm gonna, no. nothing else going to get me there. No, but I feel it did, it changed me immediately, it's like I felt it, I felt it, the minute I was able to sing again and be on stage again, it just, uh, my singing, it all just came from a, even more of a love place, and a gratitude place, and a, this is my gift, and I just want to share, make other people feel love and joy with what I do. And it, it just my motive every single night of going to perform went into that place. I heard it in your singing. I mean, you know, I That's get to hear awesome. you in different venues and stuff. Yeah. And I, I remember you even saying, you know, you're with the vocal coach every yeah. week and always work on your craft. Sure. And he, and he noticed it. Yes, right? absolutely. I mean, that's something real. That's mm-hmm. a real. And, it and it's in, And I think it's in these performances when you listen to these songs because when we started this process I was shocked at how different all the songs were yeah and how different your your instrument was yeah. throughout and and you know some of these are really uh emotional ballad yes. mm-hmm. I call them torch songs I could be wrong some of them are fun yeah novelty songs mm-hmm. some of them are standards and uh somehow it was just like you know one or two takes uh, yeah and boom you just you know yeah you know I it's like I stopped trying to sing perfectly I guess uh, in my thoughts in my head when I was singing before were all about singing a perfect note and how long do I hold this note out and, you know, making sure I'm doing everything correctly kind of thing. And it changed into what story am I telling? Yeah. And just letting the the song come out of my voice in the story you know, and the words, the lyrics, the what's this about, the infectious. how do I feel about it. it complete change. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue into the story that you're telling here. So the album, first and foremost, is called Prima La Familia. So for those of you who are listening, um, it's a great coincidence because throughout this process, there was no title for the album. Right? <laughs> that's right. And, that's and right. it was like, you know, I was thinking things and Lena was thinking things and there was just all this excitement and it, it happened so quickly. And... Uh, you know, we went down to Nashville to record with the big band for three or four days, and everybody was just on cloud nine. It was just great energy, but it was just called, like, you know, the project. And, yeah. were, and when you sent me that list, my eyes immediately went to Prima La Familia because I've been growing into and loving this project on the podcast, and uh, the original Italian-American podcast that we partnered with years ago when they first started chose that, Prima La Familia, the family first, oh my as gosh. their motto. And oh so my when I goodness. saw the list, I thought to myself, it's just perfect, right? Yeah, and, that's amazing. And uh, so Prima La Familia is this great project, and it's an 11-song album. It's available electronically, in CD, and amazingly enough, in vinyl, which is yes, the coolest thing in the world. It is. To see you on a vinyl record. 
And, uh, and it sounds amazing on vinyl, I have to say. Really? I can't yeah, really, really, it. really great. I'm really excited about yep. that. That's a big, like, I'm, I'm a big record guy. I think it just changes how the stuff comes out. Yes. And, um, and 11 songs whittled down from a, a huge list that I know everybody was throwing around ideas. Yes. So let's talk, for the audience out there, what we're going to do is, I really encourage everybody to go out and, and get the album because it is joyous. I think the joy that everybody felt from the moment this idea popped up to even today is just infectious in it and I think you'll all hear it uh, but I want to give a little bit of sample of these things as just sort of an enticement really and sure. share why we did this stuff and why these songs are the ones that are on here so let's go through the list uh, the first song on the album was a choice that you made yeah and I think it's really interesting it's got an interesting history do you want to talk about Come On To My House yeah Come On To My House uh, my father recorded it at the same time that Rosemary Clooney did and Rosemary Clooney had the hit on it but when I listen to both and I hear the musicians that are playing on the recording it they it almost sounds identical as if it might have been the sta- same studio it musicians be, yeah. yeah definitely and the versions are very similar of course my dad used different Italian right. terms and words and slang. So I thought that was very interesting that they both, you know, my dad actually sang it on the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. Yeah, and I think it was, I'm going to say 1949 or 1950. It's 1951. Okay, 51. Yeah. So, um, so he was trying to have a hit on it at the same time. Wow. And then and Rosemary had the hit. Uh, and when I listened to the different versions that I found, my dad's, Rosemary's, there was a couple of other versions of the song, it just struck me that the song just sort of is just, there's no real verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You can't really sing along to it because you don't know what's coming next yeah. kind of thing. But I liked it. I liked the idea of it because every Italian woman I know <laughs> wants you to come over yeah, and they want to sure. cook a big yeah. but yet they're cool and they're kind of <laughs> sexy and they're you know and they can cook and so I thought a sexy version of it would be great and I and I kind of made a chorus happen I rearranged the the lines in the song and made verse chorus verse chorus so it'd be more sing-alongable if that's a word <laughs> we've just invented <laughs> a new word. word for us <laughs> so I hope everyone likes the version it's getting great response and yeah, reaction love it. yeah and i find it interesting because the song's written by an armenian american named ross bagdasarian and his cousin wrote this song and he's the guy who invented and voiced alvin and the chipmunks for all those years i think that's the weirdest coincidence in the world this, alvin and the chipmunks alvin basically dave seville wrote this right. song and it's written as i learned to an armenian folk um tune uh-huh. and basically uses all these Armenian terms. I guess Rosemary Clooney hated it. She was like in her repertoire, but she well because stand it. you know at that time artists like Rosemary Clooney, um, even like Frank Sinatra, other artists that were more of a crooner type, that novelty songs was not something that was cool. Yeah, like they didn't want to do novelty songs, yeah. and somebody like my dad was totally into novelty yeah. songs, so it was right up his alley, but. She did a great job on it, it, and that voice, and and she's Italian, and it just, boom, you know. Is she Italian? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's Italian. That changes my whole opinion of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think Rosemary Clooney did a great job with it, and uh, I think you did a fantastic job with it. Thank you. Let's let them hear, and uh, I hope the audience agrees. Come on to my house, my house I'm gonna give you candy Come on to my house, my house 
I'm gonna give you apple and a plum and apricot to it. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you pasta vajole. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you figs and a dates and a grapes and a cakes. Hey, come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you everything. So that was Lena's uh, very sultry version of Come On to My House. And, uh, as she mentioned, people have really been taken to this song, so one that I hope everybody out there agrees is a really excellent addition to a very popular song. Uh, the next song goes from Sultry Chart Topper to a very Italian-American song. It could only come from the Italian-American experience. It's Felicia No Capicia. <laughs> Why is that on there? <laughs> well, because it's funny. Yeah. And it's so, like, the old-school Italian guy you know, uh, courting a girl and doing everything possible, spending money and taking her out and wine and dine and, and the girl's just putting the hand up going, sorry, no, not going to kiss you. That's my wife. Hug I can call Nicole Felicia. <laughs> right? that's, that's basically what so I So it's for. just classic and the words are hilarious and uh, there's different versions of it. So I found all the different recordings and put all the verses in the one version because there's a lot of funny my dad did a Vegas version and a New York version really and then there's the verse up front which I found on a very old big band recording which is what they did back in the yeah. big band days they had the verse up in front which explained the song yeah then it went into the song and I love that yeah, because I did too. it sets up the story yeah so uh, that's on, on the song as well, and I love the way it came out. It's one of my favorites on the album. Were you, were you playing that before this project? Were you playing that in your repertoire? I only uh, performed it uh, in the St. Joseph's Day events at the St. Joseph's Day events. And the reaction's always, like, it's one of those songs that people mm-hmm. just are so warm to. Sure. And you know, familiar yeah. draws them in. Yeah, exactly. I love that you've got it out there for a new audience and a new generation. I love the way it came out. Yeah. It came out great. Well, it really, really honoring the original big band version of it. Let's take a listen. Luigi met a beautiful bambina And he melted like Farina When she played her little game That night She made him dizzy as in vino And you know just what I mean, oh Felicia was her name He took Felicia to Las Vegas, here's the story she spent the weekend eating chicken cacciatore. But when he said, I'd like to kiss you, Felicia no capicia, the way she gambled down the table. So that was Felicia no capicia, and uh, I swear it just dawned on me that that was my dating experience with Nicole. So <laughs> I'm going to think about that after this recording is over. Uh, but again, another great one that just so Italian-American. And the next song on here is one that is absolutely one of the most famous Neapolitan songs in the world. Sure. I don't think anybody out there who's either an Italian or an Italophile doesn't know the song O Marie. 
but I often wonder how many people think of it as the Italian American, you know, English and Italian version, and maybe don't realize that it's a very, very old and very, very famous Neapolitan song written in 1889. I mean, you're talking about a song that's been all over the world since that point. Yeah, it's amazing. What made you pick it? Well, it. I almost, I really went back and forth about putting it on the album, but I wanted to because my dad is credited with the English translation of really? the song. Really? I yes. didn't know that. Yes, he is. So. Oh, wow. I felt that was an important story yeah, in our true. heritage about this wonderful folk song. So, you know, I had it on the, on the list, and when Larry, you know, I said, I'm not sure I'm going to put that on the album. And he said, please come over and listen to what I've done. Really? And I had sent him the big band version in which Lillian Carroll is singing Oh Marie, which I flipped out over because I thought, oh my God, a girl is singing Oh Marie. Yeah, it's true. You don't think about that. I thought it was cool. Yeah. And I thought that's a way I could do it. Well, Larry took the original Way Marie in Italian and he, con- beautiful strings, and they connected it with the big. I just cried because without him even realizing what he was doing, he was paying tribute to the old way money yeah. and then putting the new one my dad did yeah. with it and it just uh, was just beautiful so it's a super unique version yeah and and I, I remember when you called me or emailed me and said you know we've got this female version and I thought to myself it never dawned on me that 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 hasn't been out there and that that's a different sort of perspective yeah it's a the different song, perspective you know? and uh it's I was worried about it. Yeah, I remember. I was trying to... Is this going to be our... I was asking all my Italian friends, what do I do here? Is it understood? I mean, if I sing way money the way it is, is everybody going to know? Yeah. And they're like, you know, my friend Frankie Shinta said, Lena... It, you can't change way muddy. It's That's like true. changing my way. <laughs> That's true. He you goes, can't. everyone's gonna know. It's fine. But Just it's, do it. <laughs> it's, a di- it's, it's a different. It's a little bit of a different version, and I think it's a great version. And awesome. You point out that Larry takes us through all it's like a couple oh, of yeah. different song experiences and oh it's wonderful well, I'm gonna go right into it and uh, let everybody hear particularly that transition and a totally new take on a real classic Oh, 
Murray, however you want to call it. Uh, you're not going to get much better than that, and I think you've added uh, an amazingly unique version to a song that has meant a lot of things to a lot of people over time. So that was a great one. I mean, this is why I love this album. We're transitioning from one of the oldest, most famous <laughs> Neapolitan songs ever to a song that I had never even heard of until we had a conversation. Yeah. And I think, if I recall, this inclusion was born out of confusion between you and I, right? Because I was talking about, not for the album, I was just talking about Pepino the Mouse. Right, which everyone knows. Yeah, which everybody knows. Yeah. all of a sudden you came back to me and you're like, I got a mouse song. Yeah. So tell everybody about Topolino. Well, I don't even know the story of Topolino. You know, I wish, Dad, why aren't you here to <laughs> tell us the story Maybe. for real? But I'm going to assume that he wanted his own Italian mouse song. I'm thinking this was recorded in the very early 70s, maybe 1970-ish. Yeah, 73 oh, 73. Yeah. So I loved it as a kid. Yeah. And I sang along with it, and I loved it. So I had to find it on the 45 so I could uh, make a version out of it. And it's a cute little story about, you know, the Italian mouse came from Italy to America and wants to be famous like Mickey Mouse. If he could do it, why can't he? And... But he's actually really a person, and he's a real mouse too. And it's, it's a cute it's, song. Yeah, <laughs> and it's in fact. Did you? I've never heard the original forty-five, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to benchmark it against. Did you guys change it much, or is it? We did. Of, you did. It is changed. I love what what Larry did with it. Actually, I thought that was a genius arrangement. What he came up with. We also changed lyrics because. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted Topolino to be consistent in his <laughs> desires, you know. <laughs> the original Topolino is not funny. as likable as the, our Topolino. Oh, uh, he was just going back and forth between wanting to be rich and then he wanted to save the world. Uh, you know, like, come on. Yeah. We didn't want Topolino to be too materialistic. We updated him. That's good. The world <laughs> has updated it since the 70s. It's so funny. And the, the original sounds almost like a rock and roll song, like a, from the 50s, kind of. Wow. Because it's got dope. Really? You know, it's like, it's very cool, actually. I gotta listen to this one. Yeah, it's cool. And for those out there in the Power Hour universe, in the background on that song, screaming Arrivederci Chow, is myself and Lena's husband, Tim. Who's Irish. Who's Irish, but did a great job. He also helped me. We both together changed those lyrics and made them... Yeah, maybe so what they are. There's, a, there's an Irish impact. There's Irish impact on Storytelling on Topolino. Storytelling on Topolino. Yeah. <laughs> it's that Irish, Irish ability to tell stories. Yes. That has it for sure. Yeah. Um, and so you'll you'll hear uh, some familiar voices in the gang in the back there. Um, and Topolino's great. Like, I remember when it first came out, when we got the advanced copies of the CD. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was, like, spreading them all over the world like yeah. it was a gospel. And I gave them to all my friends. And Dolores sent me a video of her mom cooking and her mom doesn't realize she's being recorded <laughs> and she's singing Topolino and doing oh, the and her brother's dancing it. It's really, really funny. That's so awesome. it's an infectious and fun song. It so is. Here's uh here's Topolino. His name is Topolino, he's a little Italian mouse, a little Italian mouse, a little Italian mouse. His name is Topolino and he lives in a little house. He's a people mouse, as you can see. He talks and acts like people do. His friends think that he's a people, too. His name is Topolino. He's a little Italian mouse. Hello, goodbye, so long, farewell. Arrivederci, ciao. Arrivederci, ciao. 
just a great song, really fun. Uh, I really love Topolino, and I love that uh, I got to be a part of it. And a song about an Italian mouse, you just can't help picture a cartoon mouse. But the next song is actually from a cartoon, and you got to yes. tell this story. Yes, so uh, there was a movie that came out in 1966 uh, called A Man Called Flintstone, and it was a Flintstone movie spoof, James Bond kind of thing. And it came, actually came out in theaters. But it was on TV after that, and I was watching it, and there's a scene where Wilma and Fred are in Rome, and Wilma's in a tower, and Fred's trying to get to Wilma, and a song begins, and all of a sudden my dad's voice is coming out of Fred. (laughs) And I freaked out. I was little, and I went running to my mom. Mommy, Daddy's Fred Flintstone. Come quick. And she's going, no, no. Your dad never did a Flintstone thing, and, you know, you're mistaken. And I was like, no, really? Like, come, you know. So by the time she, I dragged her in the family room to see, it was over. So all these years, I thought I was wrong. <laughs> now we have Google, and so I'm writing a memoir about my dad, and I remembered this and went to the computer, and boom, there it is. And there's a soundtrack list from the movie, and Louis Prima, Pensate Amore. So I ordered the soundtrack from eBay. I find the album on eBay. I ordered it. comes in. My dad's not on it. Yeah. It's the Hanna-Barbera singers. I'm like, so disappointed. Uh, and I thought, oh, my God, he must have been under contract to someone else. Yeah. And, or whatever happened. Yeah. And they just have him on the movie only. So I had to find it on Amazon Prime. And you, and you, <laughs> I could watch it. You could only hear it on the movie, right? Yeah. It's not. I, I found it. Somebody posted just that clip on yeah. YouTube of the movie. But you can't find it, you know, it's not a a record or a track or any, it's a track, yeah. So I thought the song was just incredible. It's just a simple song about love and and about, think about love only. And don't think about the future. Don't think about the past. Look at the moon and think of love. And I thought, God, that's so my dad. And I actually love the way he sang it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really, yeah, he really saying it so beautifully and I wanted to do it as a duet for the album and we couldn't really locate a master that's amazing so old and we, you just never know though we might we're going to still work yeah, on it yeah let's hope maybe it'll pop up yeah maybe. you just never know anybody out there in the music business who might know where a master is <laughs> really you never yeah, know yeah exactly and, and so know. I did record it in the same key as my dad yeah so that that could possibly happen at some point but I love the song it's a beautiful song we had a guest trumpet player on the song I felt like my dad would have played trumpet on that if yeah, he would have true. done it himself, you know. So his name is Andrea Giuffredi, and he's uh, from Italy, and he did the track and sent it to us. And it so just cool. came out beautiful. I could tell how much you love this song. Yeah. Like, and even last night at the concert, uh, watching you sing it, it's just, you just go into a different world. I, it's such a great mantra, and it really turned out to be a beautiful song, and I think it's one that people are really loving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because it's about love. It's, you know, the real thing. Yeah. Well, I think everybody out there is going to really love this. Enjoy a little bit of Pensate Amore.
Pensate, amore, pensate, amore, think love, think love, think love. Signora, signore, pensate, amore, think love, think love, think love. Don't think of tomorrow, who thinks of tomorrow, such a moon above, signora, signore, pensate. That is a really beautiful, beautiful love song and simple. And to hear you sing it last night with just Larry at the yeah. piano, it's a special number. And I think one that I think people are going to be drawn to for a long time to come. So I'm glad yeah. you put it on there. I'm so glad I found it. You yeah. know, it was really, I felt like a gift yeah. at the last minute there that, of that song. You know, isn't it amazing that the Flintstones brought you that? That's yeah. it's just so <laughs> I, I can't help but picture the Flintstones when I hear it, even when you're singing it. And as emotional as it is, yeah. somewhere in the back of my mind is Fred Flintstone, and it's just it's amazing. It's an amazing <laughs> Have you watched the movie? Not the whole thing, no. But it's in this movie they go to Rome and stuff. They right? do. Like, you gotta kinda, you gotta find the scene. It's I just so it's I've watched great. the scene. I've watched. Oh, you scene have watched YouTube. the scene. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, it's one that I really love. And yeah, I think everybody's heard it as agreed. So yeah, I'm really glad it's on there. Me too. Um, and now we go from a song that obviously has such a personal meaning to you to one that I was absolutely obsessed with getting on the album. Yes, and one of my favorite songs. I'm sure many people out there have heard it. It's a jazz standard. It's called the Darktown Strutters Ball. And as I started to research it, I liked the song because when I grew up, I heard the version from 1954 by Lou Monti which he calls Darktown Shredder's Ball Italian style. And uh, it's in the 50s, and it's you know half in English and half in his Lumanti, half Neapolitan, half Calabrese Italian. And when we started this project, I started thinking, okay, this could really be a great number. Yeah. I didn't even realize that it was written in 1917 by a guy named Shelton Brooks. But the first popular recording was done by Nick LaRocca and the original Dixieland jazz band, right, the... With everybody uh, sort of forgets, and he's been credited as the sort of inventor of jazz here sure. in New Orleans, yep. Sicilian-American, Nick LaRocca, and the Grammy Hall of Fame put the song in the Hall of Fame in 2006. It's, wow. It's such a legacy. Yeah. And as I'm searching and searching and searching, of course, like most wonderful standards, if you search enough, your dad did a version of them. Yeah. And here pops up this unbelievable version <laughs> off of a record yeah. that's like, it's you know, it's a kind of scratchy record from 1935. And it's called Darktown Shredder's Ball, Sicilian and Yiddish style. And your dad does a song, some English, some Sicilian, and some Yiddish, which blew my mind. It blows my mind, <laughs> too. Blows my mind, too. I, I did not see that coming. No! And it's really catchy, and when I sent it to you, we started translating the Sicilian yeah. lyrics to make sure we had them right and we were transcribing them right, and... Uh, I think it just turned out to be an amazing song, right? I mean, yeah, because it takes you on a journey, this song. First of all, I have to just say that 
Nicaragua's family came from the same town my dad's side of the family really? came from his father's side. Really? From Salapruta. Yeah, right near Tropani, right? That's near, yeah, it's near Tropani. So that's an interesting that's thing to add in there. Did they know each other? I don't know. I I, but I'm sure he was an influence. I yeah. mean, how could he Had not be? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so when I heard it, I just loved it. Yeah. And I thought it was incredible that my dad was singing in Yiddish yes. too. But it makes perfect sense because when he used to do Chela Luna live... And it's not on a recording that I know of, but he would go into Hava Nagila. Really? Back and forth from Chela Luna oh, to Hava Nagila. Oh, that's amazing. I'd love to hear and that. And p- people went crazy. So I just feel like it was part of the culture that he grew up with, yeah. living in the same neighborhood as Jewish people who they all had shared the same, you know, it was like Jewish or Italian and Italian or yeah. Jewish. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like that's really where all that came from. And he had a lot of fans from that from the Jewish neighborhood so that's he amazing was always throwing that in songs and stuff so yeah so <laughs> I didn't take on the Yiddish part of the <laughs> no, song that was a linguistic challenge I, I didn't think we could <laughs> tackle that one but after searching as well I found a version where there was the verse up front mm-hmm. and I thought it'd be great to add that on as I was doing throughout the album with the other songs in setting up the story of what this is about this way I could start it in Sicilian, and everybody would already know where we this were. is what it is. For me, I love this song. I've always loved this song. Yours has skyrocketed to my favorite version of awesome. it. Awesome. And the, the influence of New Orleans jazz in there, and like you just mm-hmm. feel like I wanted that to be in there for I sure. I love that. To give a nod to New Orleans, because it's the party in the street. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Italian party in the street. You the know? idea of a block of party ball just made me really happy. I just loved <laughs> yeah. the whole concept. And, uh, and the lasagna blues, come I, on. I know, I had somebody call me the day and said, what is that song, lasagna blues? I said, no, it's a dark town strutters. We, we, we're not renaming it, but it is <laughs> we a catchy could be, name. Could yeah. be lasagna blues. We will blues. do an original for the next album called lasagna <laughs> there blues. There you go. <laughs> go over well, well I'm this on is it. one I love sharing with everybody, so I'm going to give you a little bit deeper sample of this enjoy Darktown Strutter's Ball Tarantellas, I'm gonna have them all Gonna 
dance off both my shoes when they play the lasagna blues. Tomorrow night at the dark down Strutter's Ball. Brujamo tutta scarpa bell. Gonna balamo la tell. Domani sera the block of body ball. Tomorrow night at the dark town Strutter's Ball. I tell you every time i hear that i just want to dance like yeah just, i can listen i listen to it in the shower a lot of mornings <clears throat> we have a new neighbor who oh that's she's probably funny. 50 times by now but she's probably tired of it but uh i can't get tired of it for sure it's such a great song new orleans people love it yeah oh, it's just such a getting a good reaction such a wonderful wonderful piece um okay the next one on the album another one that i think yeah, it was in the repertoire before yes, the album. Yes, it was. 1946. Again, you can't ask for a more um, politically sensitive time. And your dad records Josephina, Please No Lean on the Bell, 1946. Yeah. Why'd you Amazing. That's one of the songs, again, that is um, depicting Italian lifestyle back in those times that everybody could relate to and also laugh about, yeah. you know, the humorous parts about it. So I picked Josephina because I like I like the idea of I'm a girl singing about my sister, my older sister <laughs> in the hallway who's got a boyfriend and there's nowhere to kiss her boyfriend. That, so she's got to be in the hall, but they keep hitting the doorbell. <laughs> That's Italian <laughs> it's life. It's hilarious. That's yeah. that generation. I mean, I was doing research for my family, and I was the last person in my family after coming home from the hospital to come home to our ancestral tenement house in Brooklyn, mm. uh, in Williamsburg. My grandmother came home from the hospital there. My dad came home from the hospital there. And in the 1930 census, in six railroad apartments, there were like 78 people. Oh All my of them God. my family. I don't even know how they slept. Wow. But you can imagine if you want to make out, yeah. there's really there's no, no place, place for it. And so it's, yes. you know, it's Yeah, similar with Bocicaloup, which is hilarious, <laughs> yeah. too. But I had to pick one or the other. <laughs> but I picked Josephina. just a crack up to me. And she's, you know, jabbing the sister. You eat garlic. How does he even want to kiss you? You know. Yeah, I love this song. And I think people know this song and love this song. And it's uh, it's one that no matter where you play it, it's fun. And people relate. And it just it makes you laugh. And it yeah. makes you happy. Yeah, it does. And it's a great arrangement, too. I love the arrangement. That was based on my dad's original arrangement. The wow. horn parts and the uh, mix with the big band. Um, Larry did a great job on that one too well we're going to let you enjoy Josephina please no lean on the bell and recall those times when you just could not get privacy <laughs> Josephina please no lean on the bell when you musha please no pusha on the bell you know mama wake up And it is really a sin The way you keep ringing And you never come in You can squeeze her all you please her That's all right But the bell she know can take it every night You eat garlic so strong How can he kiss so long? Josephina, please no Lena on the bell that is a fun song always 
Always a joy, always around at our family parties. I know that, and my grandparents raised us listening to that. Oh, so that's awesome. I love hearing it on here. And then, again, this album, just so many different experiences. This next one is another one that I recommended um, because it means a great deal to me. A Sicilian song uh, written and performed originally by Rosa Balistrieri. And if people haven't heard of Rosa Balistrieri, she is an icon of Sicilian song, a right. beautiful hoarse voiced mm-hmm, yes. soul, passionate. very passionate, yes. I mean, there's like a mm-hmm. you know, people forget that Sicilian folk music is different from Neapolitan folk music and its Arab influences. There's a very pleading quality to a lot of the old Sicilian songs. Yes. And this one has that. Yes. And I always loved it because when we were kids, my great grandmother always called us Shadumia in Sicilian, which means my breath. And I just think that's such a wonderfully powerful way to describe somebody you love as family or you love right. romantically. And, and mm-hmm. that was always in this song. And so I sent it to you, mm-hmm. and I never really got what your first reaction to Well, the was. first reaction, I thought the melody was beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. And it was important to me to have something on the album that was important to you and your family because it's about family. This music is family. Yeah. So um, I loved it. I loved the passion in the song. And I wanted to find a way that I could treat it in my own way. I really uh, wanted to translate one of the verses to English to try to make a verse that kind of encompassed in English what the song was about because there wasn't a version that was in English. And I felt, you know, people are going to be not speaking Italian that listen sure. to this album. And or Sicilian, I, I, unless I, I mean, exactly, Sicilian. Exactly. So I, I personally love hearing the English verse of yeah. any song that's in a, sung in another yeah, language, so I can really understand. So we worked together on making that happen, and I uh, met with a Sicilian lady who's 82 who lives in New Orleans. And I love She's that. from Sicily, and she helped me, too. What a great experience yeah, that was what, to have her amazing. take on what yeah. the song was about and... So I could really get into um, treating it in the proper way. I love that you did that. I love that you found a Sicilian-American who could teach you Sicilian and talk you through it and, yeah. and get the pronunciation and get the meaning. Yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, I didn't know that your dad was the first one to uh, create an English mm-hmm, right. oh Marie, but here you've done this for an incredible Sicilian uh, folk standard. So congratulations on bringing it over to a new audience. And, Thank you. And your version's so different. I mean, it's... How would you describe? Is it a ballad? How would yeah, you it's more it? like a a classical style. It's done in a classical style with the English. This is another one where when I see you sing it, I really feel like you are in a different plane. Definitely, you know? definitely. There's a lot of emotion behind this song. Yeah, and, and there it has to be because it's a passionate song. It's a beautiful song, and I I don't know how many people in our audience might have heard any version of this. So I get excited by the fact that it's now accessible and in English and. Um, well, that makes me happy. Yeah, I hope everybody loves That's it. That's awesome. Oh. 
such a beautiful song and such a Sicilian song in its spirit. And uh, I just think your take on it is so you and so honest and so beautiful. And uh, there's just a real artistic honesty to it. So I'm, I'm Thank you. so thrilled for that. And that's going to be something that I know I hold on to for many generations in my family. And I think a lot of people will. It's, Yay, that really makes me beautiful. happy. <laughs> and of course... Again, the nature of the album becomes apparent in that we go from this beautiful love song to a song entitled Please No Squeeze It, The Banana. <laughs> so we, really, we really are taking people on a journey here. And, uh, I, yes, I, indeed. I, I want to point out that that's Squeeza spelled S-Q-U-E-E-Z-A. So it is its own word. It is its own word. And that know. one was was written by my dad. I don't know anybody who doesn't know this song. If you're Italian-American, I think you know this song. Yes. This is like just one of the best ever. Yeah. People want to sing along even if they've never heard it in their lives. Yeah. They immediately catch on and start singing, please don't squeeze it. It's just so good. And yeah. so, and, and again, it's, it's real. It's real. Yeah. It's real. It happened here, you know, in the French Quarter in the market where the Italian had his uh, fruit and vegetable stand. You yeah. know, Tony, the Italian guy, and the policeman coming by every morning to squeeze the fruit and say hello, and Tony getting all mad, like, don't touch my fruit. It becomes you know? so powerful, too. Like, it's a fun song, but then you think about New Orleans history, like, people don't realize that the Sicilians in particular, but Italians overall, started getting here before there was an Italy, the 1840s, 50s, yeah. 60s. This mm-hmm. was uh, the, the first uh, Italian colony in America. Of any number. By the 1950s, the majority of the French Quarter was owned by Sicilian Americans. Yeah. And they, the fruit business was their business. Sure. And the, uh, you know, you come backwards to like 1891 and the lynching of all these Sicilian Americans, the largest mass lynching mm-hmm. in history. And it was Chief Hennessy and the Irish cops. Yeah. There's a lot to the Irish Italian relationship sure. here. Yeah. And this song, even though fun, again, like you said, your dad can take something that's a serious dynamic yeah. and make it fun and, yes. and own it. Uh, I remember the first year I came down here, speaking to Judge Tony Russo, who was one of the founders of the Marching Club and the St. Joseph's right. Parade, yes. as to why they founded it. And he told me the story that up until then, up until the 70, it's going to be 50 years next year, so yeah. up until the late 70s, uh, the Italian, Sicilian-American community did not have its own parade. They were marching for St. Joseph at the end of the St. Patrick's Day Parade, and they were relegated to the last car, and they were throwing bananas to the crowd. At, because they own fruit companies. Right. And it was sort of like a, kind of like an Irish joke on the Italian community. Wow. And these Italian, Sicilian Americans got together and you know, Judge Russo was a very active civic leader and a lot of business leaders and they're like, no, we're going to, we're going to, we have to have our own for St. Joseph. And yeah. They founded this great parade and I, it's amazing to be here and have experienced that history. Yes. And where we are today. And yeah. then think of this song and this yeah. snapshot yeah. of that relationship. It's not yeah, just a novelty. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah that, yeah, that you point that part of it out. That is. That's amazing. I'm sure you've all heard, uh, please don't squeeze it a banana, but uh, here's Lena's version. Riley the cop would always stop on the corner at Tony's fruit stand. He'd help himself to anything on which he could lay his hand. Riley did this quite often. Plenty of fruit he would soften. So Tony got sore and inwardly swore and he began to shout. Because when you do that, the banana, you make it flat. Hey, please, no squeeze of the banana. When you squeeze it a plum, 
You put him on the bum. You touch a this, you touch a that, you touch a everything. You push a this, you push a that, you never buy nothing. Oh, please, no squeeze a banana. If you squeeze a officer, please squeeze a the coconut. That's one of the most enjoyable and fun songs ever. Um, so that's the ninth song on the album, right? The the tenth song I want to talk about last because it's a great way to close. Great. Um, so the eleventh and final song on the album is Chibaba Chibaba. Uh, how did this come about? Because I'd never heard of it until you sent it to me. Yeah, I had never heard of it either. And when I was selecting songs for the album, I I have like an archive that was made for me by Will Friedwald, who's a great jazz music writer and um, historian. And he did this wonderful thing for me and sent me a collection of about eight CDs and then the paperwork that went with... And he took them all from albums that were like 78s. Any recordings... Um, even radio shows with Frank Sinatra. It's amazing. And then documented for me each the year what it was on. So I actually sat every day just listening to every song on this collection. Are they all your dad's songs? Yes, that's wow. my dad's on everything. So I came across Chibaba and heard it. And it, it's uh, my father singing as it as a duet with Kathy Allen. And I thought, oh my God, this is a beautiful little Italian lullaby and I put it aside as maybe that would be a great way to close the album and also to pass an Italian lullaby down yeah. generations. I looked up information about the song. It wasn't recorded a lot, but it did reach number one on the Billboard chart with Perry Como in 1947. So Perry Como ended up having the hit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it's like, it's great because my dad was latching onto all these wonderful songs. You know, his picture is right next to the billboard. <laughs> when you showed me that last night, I thought that was good. Lena showed me a page from Billboard magazine, and Perry Como was at number one. Yeah. And then there's Louis Primus next to him. With the uh, version. The yeah, he's like, listen yeah, to but, my version, too. It's, yes, a great way to, it's great optimization. Like, you know, we can search engine optimization. So uh. the song was written, the songwriters um, that wrote the song, it was uh, written as just to sound like Italian nonsense. It doesn't really, the words don't really mean anything. No. But just to, you know, lull the, a baby to sleep. And I thought, how sweet. And it's just the sweetest song. It, and I almost didn't put it on the album because I thought it's not really consistent with the big band thing. There's no, you know, but we did it anyway because I just felt like it was important. And in the meaning of what this album is about, I felt like it really fit in there in a nice way to close it out. And it's just so beautiful. I love it. It's getting good reaction, too. Like, yeah. it's another one that people are really liking. Yes. Um... And I, it's funny because when you sent it to me, you know, I taught myself Italian. I learned some Sicilian from my one grandfather mm -hmm. and Neapolitan from my other grandparents. And I taught myself to speak Italian professionally. So when you sent me the lyrics, I didn't know they were made up words. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know any of this. I thought it was maybe like <laughs> Venetian or Piedmontese, some like Northern French uh, Italian. But I'm like... This is weird. I, don't, I was embarrassed to say I don't know what the hell this means. But I thought, so finally when you said it was yeah. nonsense, I was like, oh, okay, that makes me You're feel like, better. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's just wonderful, beautiful nonsense. But it's a beautiful way to close the album. Uh, it's not the last song we're going to talk about today, but uh, take a listen. Now many years ago in old Sorrento 
A certain ditty was quite the thing Whenever a mother rocked her baby in Sorrento This little ditty she used to sing Chippaba, chippaba, chihuahua, anchalawa, kukula, goomba Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino, go to sleep. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, anchalawa, kukala, goomba. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, my bambino, go to sleep. Sleep, my bambino. going to be all right stars in the sky whisper nighty night chibaba chibaba chihuahua my bambino go to sleep i i think about when i listen to you sing that um your voice just sounds different on that song. It's got this very, like, I don't know. There's like a, you feel safe when I'm listening to you sing that. I don't know how oh, to describe it. Oh, that's awesome. I, well, I've had, I had a vision while I was recording it and while I was singing it, like as if it were a movie and I'm the vocalist in the movie and I'm, I'm up looking out the window at the little town of Sorrento, you know, <laughs> in the song and, and it's nighttime, and every home's got, you know, mothers putting their children to sleep, and I'm the one singing the lullaby that everyone can hear so as they're going to sleep. Yeah, so I, th- I thought that and visualized that while I was singing it so that it would come across it did. in that it way. It does. And it does, it does soothe you and calm you and make you feel safe. Awesome. I, so I love that. Uh, but it, it is the last number on the album, but number 10 is See That You're Born in Italian. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the show... It's what we start with every episode. It is my anthem. I do think everyone should do the best they can to be born Italian if they can affect it uh, <laughs> before they get the chance. And if not, you should just pretend you are because it's the greatest thing in the world to be. And I found this album from, what, 66, 1966, something like that? I mean, you, you, you can't miss that it's the 60s if you listen to it and everybody here has heard it when we intro the show. I got it on eBay many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I... I approached you about it when we first met and it was how did you even find it i have no idea because i'm crazy or, or know about every, it even well because first of all louis prima and italian and all these buzzwords i have ebay alerts since they okay. invented the website so it must have come to me and i, I got because i was going how do you even know about this song because <laughs> yeah I, I think i might have been the only person ever yes to go yes. up and say like i love this i couldn't song. believe it i couldn't <laughs> believe it and i i have this record and i i bought back then it was actually much more cumbersome technology to convert sure. uh, vinyl oh, to yeah, MP4. Absolutely. And I had to learn how to do this. I was in college, I think. And so my version, as you hear when we enter, it's a little scratchy, but it's, it's <laughs> the best I could figure out all those years ago. Um, but then when we started talking about it, obviously the sort of in-joke was like, you can't just do that song straight, right? It was never sold. Yeah, it was a, just a song, you know, my dad because he was always recording and looking for songs his whole entire life. You know, either he wrote them or people gave him songs. He was always recording. 
So somebody presented this to him, and he recorded it with my mom as a duet. And I don't know why the record didn't go anywhere, but it did get performed on the Steve Lawrence show with Steve Lawrence, Connie Francis, and my mom and dad saying it as a duet. How did you find that? Well, I have the... uh, I have a collection oh, of from all the, collection the te- that... all the television appearances. Wow. So they did this duet. Then there was a big, long instrumental section with a dance number. Wow! So we liked part of that because there's a Riva Dirty Roman yeah, in there. I love you know. That. So we put we kind of wanted to have part of that in there from that version. But which you did doesn't I, exist, you know. I mean, for me, this version. I love the 60s version because it's got it's, yes, it's very much silly. of its own time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that only goes so far. Sure. But this big band version, to me, it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this whole process was going on, you know, you guys were rearranging it and coming up with all different kinds sure. of stuff and moving things around. And um, I think everybody felt from the very beginning that this was a natural duet. So... We could say this because I'm sure he's never going to listen to the thing. The first person we almost had singing this was uh, an Italian-American from Houston. Steve Tyrell. Steve Tyrell. Yeah, I did ask him to record it. Yeah, and he was kind of interested in, uh, you know, okay, we we kind of got over that. Uh, And then our mutual friend, who's been just an amazing supporter. He is amazing. Oh, he's the best in the world. Yep. Joe Piscopo. So Joe couldn't come down to Nashville. He really wanted to do it, too, but he couldn't make it happen. Yeah, I mean, his schedule, especially with the radio show, like, I feel bad even calling him some evening right. because the poor guy's up at like three in the morning to go to work <laughs> and he couldn't come down. So Lena said to me, which I don't know the music business, and you said, well, why don't you just lay it down for timing or some like yeah. term that I couldn't understand. Yeah. And so I went into this booth and I sang, see that you're born in Italian. It took me a couple of times to figure out what I was doing. Uh, and then you called me and said... This was it. <laughs> <I'm> like, gotcha. <laughs> well, well, your joke couldn't you know, this is a great time to mention Scott Williamson because he was such a big part he of was co-producing the album. Brilliant. And his story about his father and the this type of music and they them loving it together and doing a previous big band album, which is how we found Scott Williamson. He did a big band album for an artist named Rita, Rita Watkins, who had the album sounds amazing, and yeah. I went, "That's what I want." Yeah. So finding out his story, and his father had passed away in the middle of the project wow. and didn't get to finish the arrangements, but there was a connection there with my dad, his dad, you know, the whole Family. thing. Family so first. he knew exactly what to do to make this album sound amazing, and he got all the right. He, I mean, he got all the musicians the engineers, the right studios. He was just a huge part of making this album sound the way it does. And he mixed it as well. And he sent me the mix with your voice on it, and I heard it. I just went, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. And I cried because I thought it's like me and my brother singing, see that you're born Italian, like we're from the same family, and we're like, come on, be in our family, you know? (laughs) Because we are in so many ways that's now. It, that's it. You're on it. I was like flabbergasted. Because <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, look, you always are so gracious because you know how much I want to be a singer in my mind. Like You have I, a good voice, John. But I don't have a, a professional voice, but you always just treat me so good. And anytime I come see you, you always let me come up and sing. And, <laughs> you know, uh, Angelina and Chela Lu and all this stuff. And um, when it finally dawned on me that this was real and you sent me the, I just... I couldn't believe that you and I were on this together. 
And in the background, there's a couple of sort of gang shouts. Yes! And it's me, you, Tim, uh, and of course, uh, from the Power Hour podcast universe, Dolores and her husband, Drew. Yeah. they were down here with us for... And, and my wife, Nicole, who I, I think the poor girl's going to become like a running gag on the show because... She, I always talk about how non-plus she is. She was there, but she would not get on that microphone. She wanted, so she's, in there, she's sort of in there on her cell phone in the back of the video. Like, she don't want to ever be brought in to sing. And, but uh, it was such a fun day to do it that. It was fun. It was great. That was amazing. feel that yeah. sort of Italian power. And I love the song. And uh, you'll get to hear it now when we close the episode. And you also get to hear it now on every episode because we're going to use it as our new intro theme because it's such a great version and it's you and I and I love it and it's just such a wonderful thing to do Um, so before we leave everybody off and they get to hear this great song this has been a lot in a short time so can you share with everybody like what the heck has happened since this thing came out like you got signed to an amazing record label yes which is a dream come true I've always wanted to be on Basin Street Records and when we presented the album to them and I explained to him how I feel fits in with the his roster of artists. I'm representing a, another part of New Orleans Absolutely. that that is not being represented. The Italian yeah. swing, you know, culture that my dad started. Yeah. So it's just amazing and an honor to be part of that record label. They're amazing and they have um, done great things with the album so fast. The uh, uh, album came out on officially on January 18th, and the first week it was out, it debuted at number 10 on the Billboard Jazz Charts. Just the most. And number 9 on the traditional jazz chart. Which I didn't even know until yesterday. Two, ti- two debuts in the top 10. That's amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? So Tim, Are you kidding me? Tim, Lena's husband, Tim, my buddy, he called me, I guess, early, early in the morning or emailed me before you were up. Yeah. He's like, you're not going to believe this. The album's number 10 on the Billboard, and I'm like, this can't be. So I, I start, I mean, I believe in the album, but like, you know, when I looked at the list, you're on there with Tony Bennett, Michael Buble, um, Willie Nelson, Willie Nelson, Arturo Sandoval. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about like oh, oh, oh my a God. pantheon, and I, I said to myself, I cannot believe this morning, and then when you were got up and called me, it was just like, I felt like a, a I was screaming and crying. We were all screaming on the phone. Screaming and crying. Oh, my God. And I, I think to to be able to have shared that moment, uh, just one of the most amazing I've had in a long time. Me, too. Yeah. I, absolutely incredible. I'll never forget that. Yeah. That was unbelievable to wake up and go out to get coffee, and my husband's crying in the kitchen <laughs> going, the album is in the top ten. He's Irish. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I, I walked around in circles, like, for two days going, "This is this happening? It's you know? amazing. It is amazing. It was like, it, it was, you know, I recognize that, like, the album is a unique album. Yes. You know, we've been joking about how it goes everywhere. Sure. So, like, you know, we didn't make a project for mass consumption in that sense of like you're trying to please a, a grand right, audience yeah so for it to get recognized amongst all of those mm-hmm. albums out yep. there it just amazed me a- really. absolutely just... i felt super proud of the album oh yeah absolutely. and i felt like it de- like i was saying this really stands up with all the great yeah. big band out al- you know so i felt that way but to see it there oh my gosh like that was amazing i mean you don't do it for validation but no, I know it was good, a nice you know? surprise for yeah. sure, and the, and to also that it was the most added to jazz radio playlists around the world 
when it first came out. That's amazing. That is amazing, too. There's so much to pick from. That means radio station DJs were listening and went, oh, yeah, we love this. So that is also fantastic. And you've been getting calls from people all over the place. All over the place that are hearing it on the radio. I was teasing last night. uh, When you called me, I... Basically, couldn't go back to work after that because I just kept thinking, like, sure. well, now what, what's our next project yes. going to be? You know, my, my head was like, uh, yeah. And so I went home and uh, I, you know, probably a little bit more of an ego than I ever deserved to have. And I <laughs> said to Nicole, I said, you know, I just want you to know tonight you're going to lay your head down next to a Billboard charted jazz uh, singer. And she looked at me without skipping a beat, and she said, you really didn't sing that many lines. And I thought, well, you're right. I'm back down there. I mean, uh, it was more of a gift for me, Oh, to my be God. She's so yeah, funny. She is, That's hilarious. She, she keeps me totally, totally honest. That's but, hilarious. I mean, all these interviews, you've been all over. You've been on the radio. You're doing a thing with ESPN coming up. I mean, you yeah. were just... Busy. It's a, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, it's Italian American music. Yeah. In the top ten. That's great. Being played on the radio in twenty nineteen. In twenty nineteen. That's amazing. From that, the forties. Yeah, that'll be so, a Wikipedia article. Come down on, in the that's yeah. just I'm so proud. You yeah. Know. Uh, but you're gonna be in Vegas coming up. I'm excited huge, about huge that. Show. I just it's, tell the yes, audience that it's out at there. the Smith Center at Myron's Jazz Cabaret, which is a beautiful room, amazing room, and. I'll be um, performing the album for the first time with an orchestra live. Wow, that's so awesome. So we're going to make sure we uh, video the performance so we can get it out there for everybody to see. And, oh, God, I, I just can't wait. That's going to be amazing. I love singing the songs, and to be in front of a live orchestra for the first time is going to be incredible. That's so amazing. I, yeah. I can't wait for that video to be out there so people can see it. Mm-hmm. And look, if you're out there and you know a venue that you think deserves to have this great music and you want us to come to your town, I know Lena and Tim are great road dogs. They'll go out and you guys love to travel. I love and play to. Yes, people. we love it. We yeah. love it. So yeah. write us and let us know where you think we should be and uh, I'd be happy to come as the uh, roadie and the bad character. Excellent. <laughs> great to be where the Italians are, you know. And, Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's nice to play for a hometown crowd, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, that is a great peek into this project that reeks of love, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Really appreciate having you tune into the Power Hour sans the rest of the group. I hope uh, you haven't heard too much of me, your friendly neighborhood moderator. But uh, Lena, I love you, and uh, I love you too. Thank you for everything. Well, thank you. (laughs) And so we will close with the best mantra ever: See that you're born in Italian. You want your life to be great. It will be great. What produced the greatest singers? Frank Sinatra, Louis Prima, and Caruso. How about the painters and musicians? Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Donizetti. Olive oil and spaghetti. See that you're born an Italian. If you want your life to be great, see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. From the moment you're a small bambino, you eat pizza, you drink vino. Then they make you roly-poly. You get stuffed with ravioli. Your mama's a paisano You will have the world on a plate 
So see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Chicken cacciatore. When your mama's a paisano, you have got the world on a plate. So see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life 